1: ridiculous welcome friends to perfect stranger things a weekly dance of joy for your eardrums this week steve and i cover the first hour of the season finale piggyback we will absolutely return to cover the final hour and 20 minutes so look for that podcast later this week on the same feed A quick housekeeping note, Steve and I will be covering House of the Dragon. We've already dropped our first preview pod. Look for Double Dragon wherever you search for podcasts. All right, before we jump into the piggyback, here's a truism from C.C. Tarpley. That's right. It's Mr. Wilford Brimley.
0: You got a story in here. Um,
1: This the damn story you ever read. Tell you what we're gonna do. We're gonna sit right here and talk
0: about it. Now we'll talk all day if you want
1: it. It's the right thing to do. Steve, we're just covering the first hour of Episode 9, The Piggy Back, or as I like to call it, The Piggy Front. Mm. And I think we should jump in to our storylines. Okay. Um, I've identified five storylines, which now means, with Jennifer rules, that we have two moons and a Gucci. So I've got an eight sided die. All right. And I'm rolling it three is Dustin and Eddie, part one. Dustin and Eddie bat-proof the upside-down mobile home, then Eddie plugs in his axe for the most metal concert in the history of the world, and Eddie dedicates his guitar solo to Chrissy. Metallica, it seems, is like catnip for baby Nazgul's, then the boys lock themselves inside. Uh... I thought maybe I could just let you talk a little bit about Master Puppets. This this feels like your territory.
0: Well, this was great. Um Yeah, I well, I've got a lot of history with this. Uh it's my first, you know, heavy metal cassette that I ever had. Um I remember asking my mom to buy it. I think I was uh seventh or eighth grade, and she wasn't real sure, right? I mean mm-hmm. just because you know, what is Metallica? Metal's
1: right in the name. Um, <laughs> and, and I, th- then, I, I always I was a little bit confused about what what is metal, what is heavy metal, what's death metal. It, none of it really, I was never a metal guy. So yeah. I, I knew that at some point you just became possessed by Satan. I didn't know where to stop, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah,
0: that's, that's really what it, yeah. So it's not so much that, like you mentioned, that the the song was catnip for for these, these bats. It's just that it's what summons it. You know, it's like if you want to summon something from the upside down, it's got to be heavy metal, right? <laughs> sure. um, it's inevitable. Uh, I, uh, yeah, so the the tape, I remember my mom handing it to me a little bit um, unsure. Like she gave me sort of a, a, a look. <laughs> was, like
1: Which was kind of like that look that she gave you. From her perspective, it was like, hey use with caution because i don't i'm not sure this is a good idea but for you it was like that's exactly the kind of look that i want
0: the reluctant gift from your parent is probably the greatest gift you'll get <laughs> it's
1: the best gift ever yeah i mean this is this is
0: the red rider bb gun moment for exactly. me. yeah <laughs> you're gonna shoot your salvation out <laughs> all right so, so
1: yeah go so ahead i get
0: this I, I mean i wore this tape out i mean really if i mean it I, there are there are definitely Metallica albums that I I did not purchase. Most of those are later, the Saint Anger mm-hmm. kind of uh, you know uh, phase. Um, so I was you know, but I certainly was wearing out like all of the you know like Ride the Lightnings and the um, you know the uh, Justice for Alls and all of that good stuff. But Master of Puppets, I think, still you know, not just because of. You know that was my first Metallica al- mm-hmm. album, but cassette tape. But it really—I mean—it's so chock full of of just bangers. I mean, they're so good. Um, and Master of Puppets is such a just a, a great, the great representation of metal, especially during that time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you're talking about the different types of metal, right? Like, I'm, and I'm, I'm sure people are going to come and go. This guy doesn't—he doesn't know metal. And I, you know, I, I'm probably a, a poser. I'll, I'll accept that um but the uh like because there was like mad you know heavy metal and then there's like speed metal and thrash metal you know death metal Mm -hmm. and um and at the time this was this would have been i don't know if it would have been truly considered you know speed metal um but it was it was pretty close because there wasn't i don't i mean the genre hadn't fully you know developed and branched out i think at, at the point of this album so this album was pretty representative of like pretty heavy stuff and um, but musically, it's really great, and it's just a it's it's a lot of fun. And so, I was a little um, unsure what to think of the the guitar moment in uh, Stranger Things because I know
1: it was teased uh, in previews. Well, that's what I I think I mentioned this before. I think you thought I, it was Billy, right? I thought it was Billy, and I was really I was really nervous about this because it really looked pretty lame.
0: Yeah, I knew it wasn't Billy. I knew it wasn't Billy. Uh-huh. Even though I couldn't quite tell it was Eddie just because I knew of the um
1: I was worried. I was like they're going to bring Billy back and some for some reason he's playing electric guitar in the upside down like this this could go really wrong. Well, and that would have, right? I mean, that would have been
0: a weird thing to do for Billy's character. Right. And then, <laughs> uh... you
1: know, I I'll be honest, like the way that they did bring Billy back was fantastic the way that this whole thing went down was one of the my my favorite moments of the season um and it happened with eddie who i was really uncertain about i won't i mean i'm probably short selling it i i didn't like eddie yeah yeah. and so For for them to pull that off on in this episode it completely changed my mind I was like, uh, anything any any worry that I had that they couldn't pull this off? I, I was I was foolish. I was a fool, Steve. they they absolutely <laughs> yeah, this, is- this was the most metal concert in the history of the world.
0: Yeah, it was so great. I mean, it was such a I mean it's, it's such an iconic song, especially in that time frame. um it it would be very true to that character to you know if he was going to learn a song master of puppets would be it yeah um you know he's eddie there's obviously the ref you know there's that iron maiden overlap and with the mascot that we talked about um so he could have played an iron maiden hit but i like that it went this way it's just because it's also just a really it's 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 now especially at the time not so much but now it's because metallica sort of kind of come into the um sort of a part of our culture where they're rock, right? I mean, they're, they're mm. still metal, but they're, but they're as much a rock. Yeah. Band rock as and roll hall else. of fame. That's, right. So, so there is a familiarity with it and it does harken back to where it's like, Hey, yeah, these guys are around right now, but this is, this is where, you know, this is early work of theirs that would have been during this timeframe. So that's kind of a nice touch too, because it's not like we're getting a lot of these like eighties, mm-hmm. one hit wonders that we've heard kind of throughout. Um, or not I mean, not necessarily that Kate Bush is a one hit wonder, but I mean certainly more obscure, right? In and, and sort of to that time. Yeah. So this was so this was a lot of fun for that purpose. I like that like Heather was like, I wonder if Eddie's just gonna be bad at guitar. Like that was kind of <laughs> that was kind of a moment she was like kind of thinking would be interesting if he just goes up there and he's uh-huh. just not very good or he's playing a song that's like not really what you would expect him to do. But then when it went full Metallica and then it becomes this like almost music video quality yeah, um, that's right. montage, yeah. it was, it really, for me, it put me in a, a very complicated place because I'm rocking. I'm loving this. Uh-huh. I'm loving the, I'm, I mean, uh, Dustin's just like his, his head banging approval uh, periodically was just pitch perfect. Um, but then, uh, but then you've got like the real menacing situation with Max and and Vecna, and you're like, this right. is this isn't great, <laughs> you know. And it's it, there's all this other stuff going on, you know. You've, you've got the uh, the Jocks are, are have mm-hmm. made their presence known, and so like there's a lot of danger. And I'm trying to rock out, but then I, but then you remember this song, especially then, would have been the kind of song that would have have implied danger and, and yeah. it was a, it's a risky tune. So it's like, it really kind of went full circle for me. And well, I just, it's, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah. I thought it was great. It's interesting what they decide to bring into the show, because I think that they really traffic a lot in pop culture stuff. And I would never have considered Metallica pop culture in the eighties. They've become pop culture. Right, exactly. Um, and so the kinds of music that they'll bring in, and they will bring in sort of an obscure um, band from time to time, but they have not brought in metal until now. It's like they knew that they had a real great gem of a pop culture reference, that they hadn't, like, they had it up their sleeve and they were going to use it. But four seasons in, we have not seen them use it yet. And all of a sudden, they pull it out for this finale episode. And I'm more thrilled with the pop culture reference than I am with the plot development that that it is showcasing. Mm. And so, it's like they've gone to this next level with the cultural references. The cultural references are as important for this show as the plot, the story the you know the tone all of that business right and it's interesting too. like uh it, it, but it still
0: doesn't feel like fan service because it's not something we necessarily even asked for you know what i mean so it's like you get it and it and it certainly uh wets the appetite that mm-hmm. you didn't even know that you you were needing and then on top like i said on top of it when i was able to and because I, I was just saying i was so moved by like you said the 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 music and 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 the placement that it, it was it did almost take me out of the stuff, mm-hmm. but they 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 edited it so well that uh, it like I said it was a complicated moment for me because I'm like yeah oh no yeah no but yeah and then you, but then so you're like okay yeah this is a show but then I'm like this again when I was able to touch back and go stop looking at Metallica now Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Metallica look at uh, Metallica then this would be a dynamite song for a terrifying sequence like they're showing. Yeah. Where you don't yeah. know if... It, where, where now my expectation, because of, of looking at it through the lens of 86, now my expectation has shifted. Because at first it was like, oh, this is rockin'. This is how we see our heroes ascend to greatness because of this anthemic song. Not in 86. In 86, this song would be more foreboding.
1: Yeah, that's and right.
0: And especially because it's the Master of Puppets... And Vecna's sort of the master of this whole thing, um, especially when you've got this imagery of people being levitated as if they're being pulled up by puppet strings.
1: Well, um, and then so, the bats. So now I'm
0: seeing now I'm seeing yeah. him yeah. as as the victor in at least in this sequence.
1: That's right, and it kind of works thematically with it because you know the bats are menacing these boys. And we find out later that their puppet strings kind of get cut. The idea of everything being
0: connected, yes, is that's is right, real key. Yeah, and I really like, too the um, you know Steve's little kind of little speech to them, like, "Hey, don't be heroes, right?" And mm-hmm. and they're <laughs> like, "Yeah, yeah, we're decoys." And there's something, and there there is that is very much like as um, as as maybe uh, you know somewhat scary or intimidating as like the metal crew could be a lot of times that my experience with the people that were really in the metal in like middle school and high school, uh, were sort of marginalized and like, you like, they, they couldn't be the hero. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, at their, at their absolute best, they were still not going to be the hero. Cause that's just not, that's well, not it's their, like they made the role a they conscious
1: play. choice. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, I, I can think of a few uh, people that I would uh, most associate with this kind of music in junior high and high school it's like this group of people made a choice to be anti-cultural or countercultural or something anarchists i i want to talk about another element of this this storyline and that is it's sort of like one of these things that could go really wrong and the fa- is, is the, this is the fact of being a distraction have you actually ever been a distraction in your life? You mean like assigned the distraction yes, role, or yes, just, I, yeah, or that, just
0: being the guy that is like, ah, well, he's, he's it's it's I've, also, I've, I've been a distraction. Don't
1: get me. I kidding. feel like I've seen this in three hundred movies. Uh, this is not something that happens in real life. So I'm I'm just curious. Have you ever, you know, you've you've got up to, to no good in your life? Uh, have you ever been a i I've certainly
0: been a lookout. Okay.
1: Look out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is something that real, this is real. You know, you could re- yeah, yeah, yeah. be a real lookout in real life. Is there anyone that's actually a real distraction?
0: Like, yeah, uh, you know what? I, I, I'd have to really ponder. I can't, I, I can't imagine I've gone through life and have not at least assigned somebody to the role of like, you go talk to that. <laughs> like at the playground. Are you kidding me? With like the teachers, you go talk to the teacher. You oh yeah. DJ. Yeah. So, we
1: used to do this with the duties, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. With well, the yard duties, man. You got, you know, and it, who knows for what? Oh, because we had to go get the kickball because it went over the fence.
1: <laughs> right. So you're going to go talk to the you're not, yard You're duty. not allowed
0: to go. You're not allowed to climb the fence. But if you can keep the yard duty occupied the other direction, uh-huh, uh-huh. then you can make a quick jump over the fence to get the kickball, which is funny because you can't, it's not like you're like, oh, I want the school to have all their resources back. <laughs> this is about, oh, I have an opportunity to break a rule.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. I the only time that I can ever think of this actually happening in my life is that our mutual friend Jeff would on purpose get a detention at school, and then he, because his mother worked at the Apple Ranch, he would bring the detention to her, take her in the back to show her the detention, because he knew she was gonna he was gonna get a talking to. <laughs> And then it was my job to, like, load up my pockets with candy. (laughs) Yeah, see, look at that. I mean, that's... That's that's sort of an example of a real-life, real-world distraction. It wasn't me. I I don't think I've ever been a distraction.
0: And the plan. I mean, the planning. (laughs) The the, I'm willing to get a detention because I need Jolly Ranchers. (laughs) I mean, that so, was the connection.
1: Yeah, this is one of those times where it's like, all right, every movie is going to have someone that, you know, going to have a plan that's going to have need a distraction, but this is not something that happens in real life. And I was I was racking my brain to think, does this ever happen to me? Have I ever been a distraction?
0: Well, this, this distraction, I mean, the stakes are pretty
1: high. I think I mean, it, this, is- this is a pretty important distraction, and I kind of feel like if you're going to do a distraction... You have to make it as thrilling as everything else that's going on in the plot, because otherwise it's going to feel really cliche. Right. And I thought, yeah, this is the perfect distraction. It, it, it's thrilling. You know, it's, it's important. Of course, it's important. But you want it to be thrilling. You want it to be just as interesting as what's going on in the attic.
0: Yeah, and it ha- and that's exactly it, right? Because could you have done this without that perhaps and you, you have a lot of characters to maintain but there's also i mean it's if you're going to write this up this is a great way to do it because it does you know you, what they've done really well is is split people up and sort of mix and match and show and this is just a real testament to how they've developed these characters i mean to see dustin and eddie together is not a stretch but this is still like this is a og character yeah. with a, a strictly season four character and who
1: we, who I was pretty sure at the very beginning of episode one, this, this guy's going to die.
0: Right. And I think it is interesting too. the, you know, and obviously we'll talk about this in, in part two of this. Um, so I won't get too into it, but yeah, the idea that how do you, cause I don't feel like, like it, it would have been shocking to like, to have a character you introduce die in this season, Let's be honest. Eddie's survival is compli- it complicates anything you're doing next.
1: That's true because of the the the. I was gonna say the Phantom Menace, uh, the, the the Satanic, <laughs> the satanic panic. panic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Satanic Panic. You're gonna have to resolve that in a way that feels uh, realistic, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so far, and we got zero Powell and Callahan in this episode, right? So Which I find interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the fact that Eddie dies does kind of resolve the issue. They're going to have it, to... It
0: puts the focus back on the upside down.
1: Right. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to roll it. This is Max and the Sinclair Kids. Max, Lucas, and Erica go to the right-side-up murder house. Erica sets up shop across the street in the playground. Meanwhile, Jason hears that there are strange things happening at the murder house. Lucas and Max wait in the Creole living room and write each other notes. They agree to a movie date. Then Max powers down her Kate Bush force fields and makes contact with Vecna. This triggers a Vecna vision. Max attempts to hide her memory scape, hide in her memory scape, specifically in her snowball memory. Then Jason and his basketball goons arrive and chase down Erica. Uh, there was something about the chase down of Erica that made me think of Karate Kid. Mm. There was a there were I think for me
0: a lot of karate kid moments um throughout the season that yeah that that for sure is is there's a lot of i think
1: that there's they could have done more with this you know you've got the karate in russia you know with murray you've Mm -hmm. got the you know the the east coast kid moves out west right um although it's sort of a midwest kid moves out west and then, which has which has Lost Boy vibes, yeah. In addition to that, sure. And then there was something about Erica; she was running away from the kid bad guys at night.
0: Yeah, and the, and they all the other guys are look the same.
1: You know, yeah, that's right. Same. That's right. And so um, there was a little part of that that kind of made me think. Like even though they didn't do a sort of a smoking gun homage to Karate Kid, that's that's kind of what got to me with that scene.
0: That's, man, it was such an important part of of this finale is, like we've talked about, is that like the, some of the terror and some of the real menace, I mean, like, obviously Vecna's out here, you know, you know we'll learn that he's gonna just basically and civilization, <laughs> which is a big deal. Sure. Um, but <laughs> yeah. there's also these very real, Almost righteously motivated, uh, you know, villains that are coming out, which is which is another thing that's kind of an interesting parallel, right? I mean, they they think they're doing what they're doing what they think is best according to their ideology. Oh
1: yeah, progress. well, you know, and when...
0: you know, it's, some of it's based on on some revenge, but yeah. some of it's also just you know. So there's all it, the parallels are pretty fascinating, right? And and the power, like the Vecna's power, is certainly unique, but the power to to destroy, the power to kill, is you know that that's kind of shown in this is that it's it's up for grabs you know that kind of power
1: i felt like when jason walks up those stairs i mean i think i think that they just framed this perfectly you know that you know here we have the the quote unquote bad guy character but you could totally understand from a guy with his world view this is absolutely what he was expecting to find mm mm-hmm. mhm Right. This is the you know. Th- is this what you did to Chrissy? You know, and you know right. everything that he's saying. Like you know, so you did you summon this Vecna with your cult? Everything that he thinks sounds just as plausible as everything that Lucas is trying to explain. Right. Right. <laughs> you know right. exactly. Lucas just sounds like what do you? Th- this is this is, you know to, to each character the other one sounds insane. Mm Hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah, and it's it, <laughs> Yeah, it
0: is wild, right? And so he's trying to explain it's like he's like which is an interesting tack on on, you know, Lucas's part cuz I think there's a part where he's like, "Well, you already believe that there's something supernatural going on. <laughs> so let me explain exactly what it is. Like you're right, but you're wrong about how." Uh-huh. And then the, but then it's like, "That's not what I signed up for."
1: This is a classic <laughs> I <signed up> for,
0: <laughs> I signed up for good guys versus bad guys, yeah. <laughs> versus devil versus angels. Period. Mm-hmm.
1: This is a classic um, faith versus science conversation. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Right. Well, and I
0: think it's that is the other thing that's interesting too is that um, the idea of uh, of of belief. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right. like I believe this, yeah, right? Yeah. So I believe that that you and your cult have the ability to raise people out of the water and break their bones and, and they're like yeah well you've seen it this is actually what it is there's a there's a demon monster from another dimension that can be summoned this way blah 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 and they're like no no no, no that's not what i asked <laughs> that's, not, that's not that's not what it was i i just i need you to i just believe in 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 the spooky mm. other world and that's it and then the other part of that is that like well here, here's how we would fight it. Like, no, no, no. Jesus fights. <laughs> like, that's kind
1: of. It's either gonna be Jesus or this gun, and uh, there <laughs> well,
0: is. there there may be another comment commentary you want to take
1: with that mm-hmm. too. That's right. That's right. <laughs> One of the things that we noted at the very beginning of this season was just the emotional payload that was resting on Max's shoulders, and I thought that this paid that off really well. I, I, I really thought that she conveyed a sense of feeling suicidal right after the scene where she. you believe that she wants to get back together with Lucas. So you got these two really important Max scenes. Juxtaposed, she's really having this important, tender connection with Lucas. And then to hear her talk about the loss of Billy in the attic... I really got the sense that she does there's a little part of her that feels suicidal and she's probably using that to lure vecna uh but I don't feel like she's totally faking it. What do you think about that? Well, I don't think she was faking it at all um I
0: think that's where we where we we land right where we've we talked about the narrative armor and so we we thought maybe she's she's her her you know peril has kind of come and gone, right yeah. that's kind of what we what we figured you wouldn't you don't you don't go you can't go twice you can't I mean we, we went through so much uh-huh. emotions to watch her you know conquer it.
1: They did the butching Sundance thing where like if they robbed the train in both directions, they're not going to be expecting it the second time back because <laughs> right. no one's ever robbed a, a train in both directions, and uh, <laughs> that's what the Duffer brothers did uh, with Max.
0: Yeah. So this. So so. The, but then at this point you start to realize, oh, this her story's not done, right? Like mm-hmm. so this relationship with Billy, this this torment or whatever. And I think there may be a part of when you look back when she puts herself as bait, she's like, hey, you know, you could put another, you know, put another kid in the situation, they don't know what they're up against. And I think that that's partly her strategy. I think the other part of her strategy is. <sighs> I think I got some other stuff I got to deal with. I mean to to some degree Vecna mm-hmm. held up a a mirror that she was maybe I mean obviously not ready to look at but at the same time for whatever reason felt like well maybe I do need to look at this. Maybe I do have some culpability or maybe if you know maybe it's okay. Yeah. if I'm the bait and things go awry. If for the greater good I can, you know, if i can take what i've what i'm going through emotionally and internally and then somehow turn that into the greater good then
1: then well, maybe it's not all fair well if there's a little right? part of her that's uh, you know playing with studio- suicidal ideation you know she wrote notes to everyone i think that there's a little part of her that thinks if someone has to be bait it probably should be me cuz i deserve it i probably deserve to die and i've already i've already kind of at
0: one point been like preparing to die that's right <laughs> like that's, that's right. you know so so this is it's you know and and so it's like hey put it all out there right i mean odds are if i go again and i think she's you know she's like she's seen some stuff with this guy so mm-hmm. it's like if i go and in into this it's probably a long shot that i'm gonna come out of it so i'm gonna I'm go in you know go in clean so to speak and So I think that it was real. I think that she really did feel that way. To I mean, she may have put herself like she may I would say poured on thick, but she may have leaned into some things that maybe she was wrestling with. Sure. Um, but then just kind of went all in with it. Like, hey, well, if I felt like maybe there's a part of me that didn't want him around, so therefore I might as well have been okay with him dying.
1: I really like the uh, I I like it whenever they put Vecna's voice. In another character's mouth. Oh, yeah. Vecna takes the shape of Lucas in this case. I just think that that's so much more menacing than the actual Vecna monster. And it could be because I've never really sold on the the special effects of this thing. Or maybe it just gives some of my favorite actors something new to do. Yeah. But I love the Billy. I love when he takes the shape of Billy. I love the way that, you know, I I just love all of that stuff.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, going back to what you're talking about with the Vecna thing, I don't think that I have an issue with the effects of it. It's just that he's so not of this world at this point. Like, if it, like, when he's, uh, when he's one, he's so much more menacing Mm -hmm. because he's, like you can, you want you understand who he is and what he is, and there's there's something about coming face to face with with a human. Terror. I think
1: you're right. I think that the actor that plays one in human form is so much more creepy, <laughs> right? Than the actual well, you, monster. You can
0: do well. You can do a lot more with his face, and like I said, there's something uh-huh. about about becoming like oh, there's a monster, and it's like when you see a human quote monster, uh-huh. it also sort of leaves you in a state where like, how could I do this? You know, so you're another, there's another element uh, of that. Like, like you, you know, you don't like, if, if you have a, if you have a spider monster, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <Right>.
1: Oh <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. And the other thing about this is that when he's in the shape of one or Henry or whatever, I kind of feel like this is a serial killer narrative. Right. And when he's in the shape of the upside down monster, Vecna, I feel like, oh, that's what he this guy should do. I mean, he's he's if he what are the odds of
0: this guy's nice?
1: What are the odds that this guy's not gonna bring about Armageddon? That's just what he's that's what he was born to do. Right. Yeah. Put some pants on and we'll
0: talk. <laughs> Man, I was in for the uh, the the how they writing everything to each other, like oh, both, you know, perfect
1: perfectly yeah both the
0: both the you know the way that everybody wrote to each other it was just it was just great um and i watching it the second time i guess i didn't really pick up on as much on it you know i think it may have been also like having watched uh papa and then watching this like back to back that's a lot like to your point right because i mean we that is essentially like binge watching like five or six episodes
1: yeah that's right so
0: by the time i get to this one I was. It was really easy for me to com- conflate the two episodes, and um, so I think I got into this one. And I, so, like, it was nice to just sit down and rewatch this one on its own um, to try to take in some of those some of those richer details. I think that really were, and that to me, that was something that really put me in a now different. You're talking mindset. about the
1: Luke, Lucas, and Max writing notes to each other, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like that really was great. I thought. I mean, Lucas. I mean, his. His character's been so great this season, and I think he's always been, he's always been good, but he's always kind of felt like he was of the like. Well, Willow's always of the four; he's the guy from Hangover that they're looking for. But um,
1: yeah, right, sure. But
0: but, you know, Lucas kind of moved some of the some of the emotional uh, complications along, but I never really felt like he had anything on on, to own himself. And Mm -hmm. this this season was really it, it was it was such a treat to really have him be such a centerpiece um especially his journey going from the the pop wanting the popularity right. verbalizing it like it's just it's such a relatable introduction to him and I I kind of thought that maybe he was going to be kind of the similar character that he had been throughout the seasons where it's like okay so he's going to be the complication mm-hmm. you know of there and then eventually he'll come around and it'll be a moment where it's like hey it's good to be a, it's good to be an outcast or a nerd again and it's like well, yeah, but that was not how we got there, and we got there through his journey, specifically. And I think that that was, that was really
1: well. His character changes. It was just an lot. Unexpected treat. I just think his char- character changes a lot if you remove Mike from the equation. I mean, if you think back to the previous seasons, Mike and Lucas have something of a rocky relationship. You know, Mike is always sort of doing things that are. Motivated by love or impulse or something, and Lucas is usually like the voice of reason. And then they butt heads at times. And so, if you remove Mike entirely from Hawkins, I think it allows Lucas to bring out which is all you ever want.
0: You want Mike. You want Mike removed.
1: I want Mike (laughs) gone. Uh, I shouldn't say I was talking to my son about this afterwards I was thinking you know actually he's pretty great in season 1 and I probably should revisit seasons 2 and 3 um, I think that sometimes he's just I don't think he appreciates Karen enough and and I think that this <laughs> that's kind why, of that's why him. she did her hair that way <laughs> that's right okay I'm going to roll this thing All right, we have ourselves a five. Jonathan tries uh, tries and fails to book a flight to Indiana. Eleven gets the idea to help Max remotely from Nevada. All she needs is a tank, some water, and salt. Argyle saves the day with his pizza pie prowess. They bribe their way into a Nevada pizza place and turn the fridge into a tub. Max makes Eleven a pair of goggles, and Argyle makes Mike eat Hawaiian pizza. Jonathan and Will share a moment of brotherly connection. Then Eleven projects into the astral plane to check on Max. She steps into Max's memory scape and searches for her. This kind of starts with Eleven staring at a billboard. Do you remember this scene? Yeah. Because I watched this a couple times... And I'm I don't I know that I'm, I'm trying
0: to find the significance of the billboard.
1: Yeah, what the heck is up with the like what is it about the billboard that gives her the idea for a piggyback? Right.
0: Yeah, Because it, it jogs a memory of 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 her mother and then Billy and all of that stuff, right? And yeah. I'm trying to figure out is the girl getting the piggyback
1: right? I, I wonder. I, I maybe I'm looking at the the wrong part of the I th- billboard. I think
0: maybe we're looking at the now that I because I, I just now uh <laughs> A, and making the connection that maybe she was getting a piggyback ride, and that was just much more on the nose than we realized. Yeah, we're like, trying to find out what's the symbolism going the on for like
1: the religious significance of the
0: uh... yeah. We're we're trying to do a very close reading of this of this billboard. Yeah, she's for sure getting a piggyback ride. That's just it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh... So she sees a girl getting a piggyback ride and thinks, oh, I bet you I can piggyback. And we're going, well, like, okay, so it's a scenic route. Okay, there's triple A. There's three A's. What are the three A's that we're looking for here? Okay, Eddie's an anarchist, perhaps. Maybe that's one of the A's. Okay. Okay. Uh... <laughs> I'm looking at this. And, and I... then the guy's kind of faded. So I'm like, oh, is it like a back to the future thing? <laughs> is the guy getting faded because because he hasn't completed his mission uh, yet? He hasn't, he hasn't gotten his mom and dad together yet?
1: Um okay. So this has this scene with Jonathan and Will. Mhm. And I think this is meant to be the the emotional payoff to it. Right. And I do feel like I don't know if I'm supposed to I don't know if I'm supposed to read this as Jonathan knows Will is gay or if he just saw him crying and he knows he's like dealing with trauma or he's just going through some emotional stuff. It's never said there's nothing ever said in this episode about yeah. this fact. How are you reading this conversation?
0: I, I read it as he does know that Will is gay. And I think it's because and I, I'm giving, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to their relationship, mm-hmm. the family relationship, mm-hmm. right? The idea that, you know, we only see Jonathan and Will through the lens of Stranger Things episodes and whenever they're together or blah blah blah. And the idea that Jonathan is a very sensitive sort. He has been a surrogate, you know, father for this mm-hmm. young boy all the right. way through. Right, right. If anyone would be picking up on the clues at some point, I would think that
1: would be it. Well, also, even back to season one, you know, he has that really touching conversation. He's like, Don't be normal. Being normal is boring. Right, You know, be different, um, you know, be the kind of person that likes the likes music that other people don't like. And so it's almost permission for him to. He could have
0: been he could have even been planting that seed because he knew maybe better than Will did at that point. Right. I mean, that's possible.
1: It, that's also uh, possible. I just kind of felt like it's it's unclear to the. It's unclear to the viewer what Jonathan is actually saying here. I feel like because, because it's fairly clear to me that Will is gay. That this is what Jonathan is talking about.
0: Yeah, and I think it's meant, and I think the reason. The, the, so there are a couple things you can read into the, the, why the, why it's not explicit, right? One, you know, maybe we don't get really explicitly into it while we're trying to save the world at this particular moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing being. Uh, even if you know and even if you're supportive. In 1986, that's a conversation that people don't have a lot of training on. It's yeah, you talk part, around it. <laughs> it's not part of our, it's not part of Indiana culture, that's uh-huh. for sure. Um, and it was barely a part of California culture. You know, I mean, it, it in 86, we were not great at Acceptance, (laughs) right i mean that's you know so yeah
1: and i think that i think maybe he doesn't i don't even
0: think he's got the vocabulary i don't think he's got the you know there this is
1: i think i think a lot of viewers who didn't grow up in in california might think well yeah of course it's just a liberal california people just accept gay people i just it's just not how it was it's it's unless you were like um there are very few places in the country where you can be openly gay and and it'd be okay, and I don't think that there's anywhere in the country where you can be a kid and gay and it'd, it'd be okay. I think we're
0: meant to believe that he knows because the way that because that because the big you know the big conversation in the back of the van, he he knows too that L didn't commission this painting. You know what I mean? It's like there's a lot of there like he 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 I think makes all the connections at that point and sees what's really going
1: mm-hmm.
0: on, and. And I think because of the circumstance, because of not necessarily having the, the vocabulary and the, you know, just basically don't have as much capability to have that conversation in 1986, um, you can tap dance around it and say, look, I know, you know what I'm talking about and we're cool, you know. And I think that that's, and that's very brotherly too, keeping in mind that Jonathan's, while he looks 50, he's not in this scene (laughs) he's also a young boy quote unquote
1: have you ever dealt with the lego up the nose situation
0: uh something similar um we had a uh like i was i was was like maybe six seven something like that we had like i had color forms like a like a Color. like the same way I would have hot wheels and legos like they were just a mashup of stuff mm-hmm. and in it was this little like metal round look like a gear that we have gone to like a like a stomper or something <laughs> sure and sure. i just just sh- shoved that thing right on my nose i don't know what the, <laughs> i don't know why I don't know, and I wasn't like.
1: Now, did you have to it, go to the, the the doctor for this?
0: It was a it was a bit of panic, and it was pretty far, and I don't remember how. I think I they just kept on forcing me to just try to 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 honk it out, and uh-huh. eventually it did. But man, that was I was like, this is who I am now. <laughs> I'm part machine, <laughs> half man, half stomper.
1: Okay, I'm gonna roll this thing.
0: Is that all we want to talk about? About all that? I mean, we're not gonna talk about pineapple on pizza. We're not gonna talk about uh, uh <laughs> argyle's amazing yeah got to be clean if you're going to enter the mind i mean that's amazing uh my i st- love i love how argyle is and we did we talk about this already i don't know like we're we're we have the first season yeah we talk about like how you've got the kids that are equipped to to get right into fighting monsters because they live in their imagination and uh-huh, adults uh-huh. have outgrown it. And so now you've got everybody that's older and how do you introduce somebody who's got that same level of lives in their imagination, lives in a fantasy world? Well, you get a stoner from you know Southern California who's just like, yeah, uh-huh. dude, why not? Why wouldn't it be?
1: It's an interesting parallel with Murray with Argyle because Murray is prepared for this because his whole, the life of his imagination is wrapped up in conspiracy theories, right? Right. So that's a different kind of fantasy scape he's created for himself. And so some of this weirdness kind of fits in with that. Um, Argyle isn't into conspiracy theories, uh, although I think he does promote a few conspiracy theories about the amount of skate schmacking that's going on <laughs> throughout the world. Um right. I do think that he's just, like he says, he's very spiritual. And, he's down for whatever. Uh, I, and I think that there's... So, there's, I, I, I kind of don't like the word spiritual because it, it could mean like a ton of different things. Right. But he's the kind of guy that's looking for mushrooms at the end of this. Uh, right, yeah. You know, so so his
0: The idea of their... of of being able to exist on another plane Mm -hmm. is completely in his wheelhouse.
1: Oh yeah. He's fine. So if you're
0: going to tell me that there's other dimensions where you can travel with your mind and then some of those might not be good. He's like, dude, I've been there, bro.
1: (laughs) This guy, guy, it's actually kind of a a sophisticated little window into religious studies. When he says you got to be clean to enter the mind. This is sort of a window into, I mean, four or five different really important religions. There, there is absolutely a connection between baptism and spiritual purity. Right. So I mean, for him there to say are, that, there's
0: so many bathing, bathing rituals. Uh huh.
1: That's right. So for him to say that, it totally makes sense in his in his frame from his framework. Now, of course, you know, again, we're gonna have a, a faith versus science conversation because Mike is incredulous right right he's like how could you not know this
0: but that's what i love about it right because it is everything is blurring the line and everyone you know everyone has their own way of trying to rationalize right yeah. so you, ha- I mean, you have jason who rationalizes this like well it must be evil it must be satanic and and we yeah. as good christians have to stop it by any like instead of instead of then going to the other direction that says well then we need to be sp- in order to stop this spiritual warfare we need to engage on the other side of the spirituality takes matters into his own hands you've got this other guy who's you know foraging for mushrooms who's you know He's just all about whatever, you know, you know, try before you deny, you know, that's just sort of a beautiful that's a, mantra. That,
1: that's really his, his life ethic, really. Try and, and, and
0: so here he is, and they're like, hey, we're going to have to go uh, travel into somebody's mind. And he's like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's get some salt, you know, whatever it takes. And <laughs> and I think that it, there's something that, kind of fascinating about that, right? So here, and, and this is maybe me taking another leap, but like Jason is and maybe this is a, a conscious critique by the Duffers, but Jason is a product of hand-me-down uh, theology and ideology. This is what I was raised with. This mm, is what I was raised sure. with. I only have as much information as I've been given and have as much information I choose to engage with. Give me the blanket. Give me the bullet points. I'm going to come on Sunday, and I'm going to get I'm going to get what I need, and then I'm going to go out, and everything else is up to yeah, me.
1: So then he's just going to plug what he learns into this paradigm, this preset. Argyle,
0: paradigm. and Argyle is experiential. Argyle sure. has opened his mind by virtue of whether it's in marijuana, whether it's mm-hmm. been mushrooms, whatever he's experienced. So everything, whenever, if someone says to him, Hey, I'm dealing with this monster from another world. He's like, I too have had a bad trip. And so, <laughs> so he, so his experience makes him much more open and actually much more willing and helpful in many ways. Cause he's like, Oh, you're going mm-hmm. on a journey too. I mean, so I, I, you know whether all of that is is conscious. It it, it certainly resonates.
1: Well, it's an, it's a, yeah. There are two different con- there's two different sides of re- of the religious coin. And and in religious studies, we would say something like, "It's the difference between the priest and the prophet." And so the priest mm-hmm. is sort of there to protect the tradition, right? And the prophet is there to upset the tradition. And so you kind of need both sorts of voices and. Uh, in, in this case it just just turns out that the prophet is uh is closer to being helpful, they're both wrong. You know, in this case. Sure. They're, they're, both, well, they're both wrong I will but say, they're wrong for different reasons.
0: I will say, as somebody who has both gone to a Christian summer camp and uh done mushrooms, there's only one of those I
1: would try again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm rolling Oh wait, Hawaiian pizza. Um, oh,
0: yeah. What are you, what's your relationship with Hawaiian? Pizza? Okay,
1: so during this, you know, we we're watching this scene, and my son's like, oh, this is so cringy. They're bringing in the whole Hawaiian pizza debate. Um, now, I'm not on social media, and I haven't been on social media for years now. So there is a lot about pop culture that I just have divorced myself from. I do happen to know that there's a debate about uh, fruit on pizza right which makes a lot of sense cuz this has been going on for what decades now <laughs> this uh, this predates the internet um, Yeah, a little bit all right and then it, i couldn't help but think of your recommendation to me that you can do pineapple on pizza but you have to add jalapenos mhm uh that's and then immediately i thought I, I i should i should try this 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 is something i should, i got to try um, but my my son's reading of this was that they were sort of winking to these online debates, and he found it cringy. Mm. So,
0: well, yeah, I mean, I, and, and this is gonna this will make sense to your son later. Is that not everything is about his generation? <laughs>
1: this is something that probably won't make sense to him because (laughs) here we are talking in this podcast making everything about our generation well yes well but
0: partly because we
1: never learned this lesson steve no no no
0: no 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 um well and i i think it but i think what it if anything it it might like he he might be looking at it as, as a wink and a nod to hey you know this will like maybe like it's relating to or trying to relate to mm-hmm. like it's like a, like an old guy trying to be hip. I would go it's a step further. It says this this is not there's nothing new under the sun. Sure, pineapple on pizza was controversial back then. It's controversial now. It's just now people have ways to talk about it incessantly, with people all over the world. <laughs> Whereas before yeah. it was just something that would be a conversation that would happen at a straw hat.
1: Um, do you, do you enjoy pineapple on pizza?
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, Hawaiian, Hawaiian pizzas probably would be my go-to if I was getting a personal pizza.
1: Wow. Okay. Now that's interesting to me because while I don't mind it and I don't have a strong opinion about it, it'd probably be like, probably wouldn't even be on my top 10 Mm, of the kinds of pizzas that I'd order it. But if it was sort of like, I'm hanging out with friends and there's pizza, out there and I saw it in front of me I thought ooh I might think this is a treat I haven't had this in a while yeah
0: well and it, it, that's how I see it most of the time because nobody in my family likes it uh-huh. so I can't really order it um but if I was going to like I, I, like you and I talked about offline if you're gonna give me like hey go order a pizza for yourself pepperoni jalapeno
1: pineapple it just seems it just, it just seems like it's it's I, I don't know I I maybe I should try before I did that I was just gonna say. <laughs> All right, I'm rolling this thing.
0: And by the way, have you called the phone number on the um, Surfer Boy uh, Pizza?
1: I and... saw that this was a thing. I, I I have not tried it. What What did it's you? It's
0: precious. Know? It's precious.
1: Oh, are you recommending to our fans to try it? Go for it. Give it a shot. Are There's you no gonna hug. explain to us what happens, or you just want to leave it? No, just call. Just All call. Okay. Find out. Okay. All right. Uh, we already have a three. Uh, we already have a five. Oh, this is a moon. Hmm. Can uh, this we is bank
0: a- the moon in case of a Gucci.
1: This is a six. You could bank this thing, or I feel like for our fans, they're gonna want to hear this one. All right. I think for for our listeners, they are absolutely gonna want to hear you answer this. Assuming one. they haven't turned it off because we're morons about a billboard. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is six. This is a moon. Steve, tell us about the night you partied with Metallica.
0: Oh well, it wasn't all of Metallica.
1: <laughs> all right, so so tell so start at the beginning. We want to hear the story.
0: So uh, this will, we won't be talking about the time that I I hung out ever so briefly with Lars Ulrich, the drummer, uh, because he came to see Todd Berry and I was opening for Todd Berry, so I got a picture with him. That's not because we didn't party, um, but. Uh, jason newstead so
1: you met lars but you didn't hang out with him
0: right so i i, I was a, a a regular on on a local radio station for a needle droppings segment so it was um uh, new records that were coming out and like the the guy that owns the record store would would play snippets and there would be a, a panel that would kind of give their first impressions and uh you know I was kind of you know a little bit of comic relief a little bit of a little bit of musical knowledge i like to think and um and they said, hey, we, got a, we have a guest in studio, and it was Jason Newstead, who was formerly of Metallica. So he played uh, on a lot of the earlier um, albums. I think uh, Injustice for All was his last,
1: I think. I okay.
0: But anyway, um, so he was there, and I was bringing in wine. I was working at a winery at the time, so I'd always bring in wine for the group, and um, the... The DJ was always particularly fond of uh, white wine, so I brought in a Viognier. Um, sitting in on the segment with uh, with uh, Jason Newstead, you know, talking a little bit, uh, cracked a few jokes, and then we hung out uh, for the needle and saying We had like and him and his new band, they were there, and he was just going on. He's like, "Oh, I got to see you, I got to see you play," and, and I brought out the wine, and he's like, "Oh, Viognier is my favorite."
1: Not exactly what I thought. I uh... <laughs> this is this is not on brand, right? So I told him I said. I, I,
0: I said I said I told him, you know, on air, I'm like, you know, this is this is really exciting for me. I'm a big fan, um I'm all but I will say that I'm a little uh I'm cautious because you were always the scariest face on the Metallica uh <laughs> you know, cassette liners. Sure. I'm all, of all the guys, I'm like everybody was intimidating. You know, Lars looked a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirk Kirk looked like, you know, he was a tough guy. You know, James, of course, is the wild front man. But you were the one that I'm like, you're the one I I would be the most afraid to be around. <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, I just I just feel like at any moment you're just gonna you're just gonna lunge at me. And and I'm just nervous and so we can do laughs ah, I'm not that kind of guy so then after the the whole show thing gets done we go we go over to a, a restaurant across the street that the the DJ and producer know were well so we're you know we're having some, some more wine we're having some appetizers and uh, everyone's feeling it a little bit and uh, he's we start. they start telling different stories about you know like you know experiences at concerts and this and that. And mm-hmm. At one point, Newstead just starts going off about this, this one incident and like some issues that security and so like to say like, oh you know and he grabs me like this and, it's, and then he grabs me <laughs> to demonstrate how security <laughs> grabbed him and I'm like it's no, happening this is, <laughs> this, is
1: this is very <laughs> this on is brand
0: was, <laughs> I'm just I'm like yelling this is what I was afraid of I just didn't realize it was going to be fueled by Viñay. <laughs> Anyway, we had a
1: great time and uh Well and it's kinda awesome that he uh he assaulted you because Yeah it's sort of it like a childhood you? uh fascination. I wouldn't say it's a childhood dream, you didn't really wanna be assaulted. But you were right. afraid of it and it happened.
0: <laughs> right. It's like if I went to the zoo and they're like, hey, you know, uh, there's really something when you see, like, like the, the gorillas attack each other, you know, uh-huh. play, you know, and then you go there and they're like, oh, yeah, one of them's sick and the other one's uh, asleep. And you're like, oh, I mean, I, yeah, they're there. It's cool. I guess I could pull up a video. Like, I went to, like, I went one time, took my daughter and her uh, classmates to the zoo. Where I was, like, the chaperone. And there was, like, you know, the, you know, those various monkeys, and they're always going to do something with each other's butts. Like, at least you see it on YouTube all the time. Mm-hmm. And so there's kind of this, like, I hope, I hope there's something. And then, and then you know, we're just watching these monkeys, and they're just up there, and they're just sort of just looking at us. And then finally one comes over and just starts eating the other one's ass. <laughs> and I was like, yes, finally. <laughs> like, this is what you come here for, right? So that was my James, mm-hmm. uh, or Jason Newstead. Bringing
1: point. a new meaning to the concept of a moon <laughs> With a little bit of a gucci thrown in there, I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm rolling this thing. All right, so this is another moon. Jeez, ah, I feel like maybe we should bank one of these. I think we should bank the moon, and then we
0: can we can bank it.
1: Okay, because I could incorporate the moon into our following episode here. Um, shoot. That's interesting stuff. All right, I'm going to roll this Now we roll again. Yeah. With the moon banked. The moon is banked. Okay, this is number one. This is the Russia plot. Yuri fiddles with Katinka. Joyce puts on a Hulkamania t-shirt and then admires Hopper's new abs. Hopper is all horned up about breadsticks. This leads to a long-awaited Russian Orthodox kiss. Hopper gets a phone call from Lady Goo number one. He learns that all the kids are on their way to Hawkins to fight evil. Joyce suggests that they break back into the prison to destroy the Mind Flayer skin tag. <laughs> Hopper unpacks a flamethrower, and they all drive back to the prison. Then Jack and Hagar appeals to Yuri's patriotism to get him to fix the chopper. Once inside the prison, Yuri learns that the thing they call the Shadow has escaped to possess multiple bodies but the Russian telling the story dies before they can find out who has been possessed. So I think that the, that the story that they're telling here is that the, you know, the smoke baby goes into the demigorgon. So if they kill the demigorgons, they'll kill the smoke monster or the Demi dogs, they'll kill the smoke right. monster.
0: Well, I think the idea too is, is the, the Demi dogs that were in the test tubes or whatever, were they like supposed to be dead? And then that gave him life,
1: and that maybe that's what animated them. That's interesting. Because um, I was
0: trying to figure out initially, like I'm like, so why did it go in there? Aren't they already that thing? You know, like what 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 was it about that connection? But sure. then it was like, oh well, maybe because they were all in okay, those that tubes. How sense. would they have gotten out of the tubes? And like, if they were in the tubes, I would have thought that they had been studied. Because I had already had mm-hmm. one open, so my my assumption was that these were not being kept alive; these were being examined.
1: Okay, so here's my issue with this. I think the first time I watched this, I assumed that the the smoke monster went into the guards. Right. Right. And then that's what I thought. We was, were going to eventually a... see guards with like you know zombified guards or whatever.
0: Right, it's sort of like what we saw in uh,
1: Season 3. And then the second time I watched it, no, I'm pretty sure he means that that's what animated the, the demodogs, but it, when he kills them, it's not like the sm- there's like smoke that leaves their body or something. Right. And I'm kind of not buying that you can kill this smoke monster by killing the body that it in- inhabits. Uh so I'm yeah, I'm wondering I'm still I mean, wondering maybe we 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 see this followed up in season 5. Yeah, I feel like that was something
0: like it was it was a dramatic build up for something that I was like well, what are you, what was the point? So I feel like maybe that's that's like that is yet to come. That's my assumption is that it's yet to come, right? And like mm-hmm. and there could be an element of well, is this is this wills problem? is this thing always going to live as long as Will's alive?
1: Oh, interesting, because there's some kind of connection. Yeah, because
0: it's in him, right? I mean, like, it's never left him. So
1: I wonder... It does make me wonder, like, all right, if they want to bring the Russia stuff back into season five, how do you do it? I mean, it's possible that you'll have Yuri and the Antonov character in Hawkins... There has to be something. Like, they, they relocate or something. But another way to do that is to bring in, like, a Russian army that is, that is sort of possessed by the Upside Down.
0: Right. The thing that gets me a little bit, too, is that because of, you know, we, we've, I think we've been clear, like, the, the Russia... Plot has been sort of our least, our least favorite, the one we've engaged with the least. And then as we were getting moving along, like, oh, there's more to it. There has to be some sort of connection. Maybe there's a gate here. That's how they travel. And so, and those things didn't quite come to fruition. So then when it comes down to it, I'm like, so if you're going to tell me after all of that, you created this kind of arduous narrative just to then say, well, they'll, you know, if they kill these, then it sort of takes a little bit. It, it, It sort of wounds Vecna from from afar it's mm-hmm. like was that really the it, you could have just not <laughs>
1: you it's, know you could have done it's something a lot to,
0: different it, so it, it doesn't it feels to me like that I, I and this this is the benefit of the doubt that i may be giving because it's always seems to have paid off with the with with the showrunners is i feel like there's still like that story hasn't fully come to fruition yet and if it has then i'm like uh, okay i mean you're really just drawing out the hopper reunion and then at that point truly is what it comes down to and and yeah you he gets because i mean we almost like oh we painted ourselves into a corner with with russia and demidogs um but then what right i mean i don't know i'm not sure i I I still feel like there's more to it i think
1: that i think that that's exactly right the the problem is and then what because if this is all that there was with the Russia Plot, Russia, if they don't revisit this and make this work for some future season five storyline, I kind of feel like this was a real big disappointment. Um, and in an otherwise, a real stellar season. Right. Yeah.
0: Because um, we endured a lot to watch Hopper <laughs> endure a lot. <laughs> And if it was just to basically like oh, we wipe out a couple of these and it and mm-hmm. it, it kind of helps neutralize.
1: <laughs> okay, we did get to see Hopper and Joyce finally get romantic, right? And so that was and all c- Heather could think is
0: God, he's got to stink. His mouth has got yeah. to terrible. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah I, I, that, that's exactly. Uh, you know, d- Joyce is he? She's been through a few. You know, she's got sort of travel travel mouth. She hasn't showered yet, you know, th- She's not yeah. gonna, but it's not going to be the same as months in a Russian gulag. He says he ate maggots. That's got to ate...
0: have an effect on your brain. <laughs>
1: he ate maggots. Joyce, he ate maggots. He just talked about eating maggots. You're yeah. going to kiss him? I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. Um, have you ever... Hulk, uh... The Hulk Hogan shirts were just an absolute treat. Hulk Hogan uh, the, was the, nice. I liked that the pup, for sure. The puffy
0: jackets—that was good.
1: So I was going to ask you: um, Is this reunion finale worthy for you? Mm, the Joyce and because uh, I'm trying. I I, I I am of the opinion that it just did not to be. This did not have to be two hours and twenty minutes long, and I kind of feel like you you could easily <laughs> you could easily delete. Three hours from this season by deleting the Russia plot, <laughs> um, and I kind of feel like that's a lot to build up for for this kit this 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 very brief kiss.
0: You know, and it's interesting too because, and I'm sure for some fans it's different. You know, maybe maybe you and I were not as like Win or Hopper and Joyce gonna finally get together.
1: Um, yeah, this is not a Sam and Diane situation.
0: Yeah, I, I think, I mean, and, I, and I'm happy they are, but I also was like, I, I, I always, I, I didn't ever, ever, I think I kind of rather enjoyed the tension of, of his inability to, to sort of seal the deal, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and he would always get in his own way, and like, so there was something about that that was, I always found kind of charming, and so I, and I kind of liked it. So when it's like, oh, they're finally together, I guess I never really had that same, like, will they or won't they kind of moment.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So this was a payoff, I think, for those that would have maybe felt more like that. Um, and for me, those those two getting together was certainly way lower on the list than uh, the uh, Steve, Jonathan, Nancy uh, triangle.
1: I just felt like I'm happy to see them. I'm happy to see them get romantic uh, it was long overdue. I don't know if I needed the entire three hours of television building up to this point. Yeah, yeah. Because nothing else about this plot feels climactic at all to me. Anyway, we can put that to bed. I am going to roll this. We have ourself a Gucci, Steve. Oh, Jesus, man. That's a and Then We didn't bank that moon for nothing. Okay, all right. So it's a Gucci killer. So I'm going to roll again. Um, this is a five. Um, I'm going to go ahead and roll this again. We have ourselves a two. The Scooby-Doo gang flip into the Upside Down. Steve, Nancy, and Robin walk through the woods to the murder house. Steve shares a moment with Nancy and tries to get her back. Once at the house, they wait for Vecna to take the bait... Then they hopscotch over the Vecna vines and head up to the attic. I'm totally in the bag for Steve now. It's kind of amazing because he was a, a full-on bad guy in season one. I am so in the bag for Steve and Nancy to hook up. I don't care about Jonathan, and I don't care if he ever finds love ever again. <laughs> Just. Kidding. Now you just you're just wishing ill on Jonathan. Also. I want Jonathan to uh, take a vow of celibacy, <laughs> uh, move to a monastery, and uh, and that that that's him. He can just like transcribe old scriptures or something. Um. So yeah. So I, I'm I'm happy to see that Nancy is um at least open to the idea of taking Steve back. It's wild. It
0: is a wild wild journey that we've gone on. Um,
1: And, and I mean, I mean, we have adults in this narrative that are not as mature as Steve Harrington. Steve Harrington has made quite the evolution.
0: Right. Now, when we look at, um, when we look at this, right. So, so, you know, here we are, we've seen this twice. We know how this ends and I'm sure anybody listening Mm -hmm. um, also knows, but I mean, Let's go back to where we what we thought, what we were talking about. I mean, I was pretty convinced that Harrington was a goner. So, in this, right. at this moment, how much do you feel like, oh yeah, he's a goner? Like when we're watching, when you're watching the the early scenes uh, unfold and yeah. he's, uh, being honest with with Nancy, i man, it sure did feel like, like when he tells the, like, don't be a hero, you get to be the hero, Steve. All of that, all of those conversations, everything that was going on, I'm like, this is leading. All, and I just, I'm like, I was, I was gripping mm-hmm. and ready. Yeah. I was absolutely ready. So at this, since we're doing the first hour, in this hour, I am, I don't know who's surviving. I am full Game of Thrones mode at this point.
1: Okay. I, all right. I feel, I, I think I was sort of teetering. And what pushed me over was the fire and rain needle drop from last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking one of these two is probably going to die, and since everyone thinks it's Steve, they're probably right. Um, And now I feel like because all of that has been postponed to season five, I kind of don't know what to expect.
0: Well, I'm talking just in this first half, because like, we're looking at this hour, what's your, what were your feeling at this point? Did you feel like... Like, as you're watching this oh. unfold, as, as, they're, as they're making their way, as they're in their Red Dawn garb, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and the way that he's, you know, uh-huh. talking about it. It was always you, Nancy. He was the hero, according to those uh-huh. guys. Does it feel like, do you feel, when you're watching this the first time, any closer to, like, oh, yeah. Did you feel like, yeah, Steve is going, or did you, or were you kind of in the same, like, on the
1: fence? I don't remember. I don't remember how I felt. Um, I do because I was.
0: I was convinced. You were convinced. It is. I was convinced
1: it is sort of, of a, a, a a common trick that you'll do with a character, especially a male character, to give them a love interest that they feel really close to, and eventually they're going to be satisfied. Um, they're they're going to you know er, happiness is just right. At the tip of their fingers, if they can just get through this next thing, then they'll find. Then they'll be able to get the girl, and then that's how they give you a sort of an emotional shock when that character dies, or well, and yeah, or yeah. when the woman dies, right? To use as motivation well, for the male yeah, character,
0: and, and that's where you're at a perfect spot because because he's confessed it he can go out and then now nancy can go back to jonathan because there's no more of the complication of 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 steve harrington because steve harrington's you know now it is a full-on love triangle but it it doesn't have to stay that way if steve harrington goes out and so then it becomes okay Mm -hmm. i can go back with jonathan but I mean, man, the memory of Steve and what he did, and and how can I ever really love Jonathan when that is, un- you know? So there's that. It, like to me, that was like, yep, it's all lining up, and here we go. So I was just, yeah, absolutely ready.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I totally get that, and I think it's justified. And the fact that they were able to pull that off is is quite something. So yeah, uh, kudos kudos again to the Duffer Brothers. The, the, they they pulled the old switcheroo yet again with Steve Harrington. I really dug the red beret on Robin. <laughs> uh, did you ever try a beret? You know, I never purchased a beret. I always felt Berets like are... there's a lot of things, and I got as as well attested. I got <laughs> I got very very creative with the hats I would try but i kind of felt like i knew that a, that a beret was just like <laughs> It's a bridge too far it's a it was like i there if there's anything that i know that i can't pull off it's a beret <laughs> um yeah i just felt like you got to be like a a french fashion designer to pull off a beret
0: i i tried a beret once like not like buying one but i remember putting one on and i was like man this this it. It, it, it was a hairstyle like it was like a, it was like having a haircut that i knew i couldn't pull off and, and could tend to i'm all i would only think about how the beret looks at this moment like that would be it would be i would, would be the whole time was like, how is it is it how is it is it laying right because you know it's supposed to, like when something's supposed to like when when it works and it's just laying natural and you're like man they're pulling that off and then it's you try to recreate it, it's like oh i just look like i try to make it mm-hmm. look that way
1: now, and I did do, like, I don't know what these things are called, but I did do the poofy hat that has the brim. Sort of like it's like a, mm. it's like a, more of like a tie-dye hat. It's like a Jiffy Pop. Yeah, that's right, that's right. But it kind of hangs down in the back, and it's got that sure. brim up, up front. I don't even know what you call those things, but that's it is a little bit beret-like. It just has that, mm-hmm. br, that brim, though, that rim. It's got beret energy, for sure. <laughs> it's more of a... Like, it signifies, like, this is the kind of person who would wear a beret if they could solve their body odor problem. <laughs> right, that That's kind right. of the feel to it. Yeah. It's a bohemian beret. It's a bohemian, <laughs> it's a bohemian beret. Um, the Scooby-Doo gang doesn't get a lot of screen time in this very long right. episode. But I do want to say one more thing about this, because I think that we've exhausted our storylines. Um, I want to say that one thing that I think sets this season apart from the other seasons is I feel like you've given all of these characters space to cook. And so whether we're talking about Max, who before was sort of a B-plot character, or you're talking about Murray, or you're talking about... Uh, you know, Jonathan or whoever. Sometimes these, sometimes some of these characters would kind of fall into a B plot, and I felt like with this season, like I, like maybe Mike is the weak link of the season, but everyone else really gets some space to show what they can do. And I really cared about almost all of the storylines. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe sort of the Hopper thing was the weak link but. which is
0: kind of wild because the you know season three ends with is he dead and so there's this the idea that he's alive and needs to come back really should hold more of our attention i
1: mm-hmm. would think mm-hmm. and it
0: really should be a central point and it's it's interesting that it, it's that it wasn't um and it could be that it that that it was no fault of anything that they were doing with what was going on in russia it's just that by comparison to all the other things that are happening it's you know if, if you were to lay it out on paper you'd be like wow you mean this guy's has to break out of a, a russian gulag uh that was also infested with demigorgons and he's yeah. and, and there's going to be murray doing karate and and there's going to be a hulk hogan shirt involved like if you put that out in front of me i'd be like Oh, yeah, good luck. How, how am I even going to pay any attention to whatever's going on in Hawkins? Who cares about, oh, another monster? Are you kidding me? So it's kind of wild that, that that's how good everything else was by comparison. Uh-huh. That, that, that one couldn't, uh,
1: you know, steal the show. Okay, I'm going to give you one tweak to improve this season. All right, so bring in a little cocoons of horror magic into this uh, podcast. What if you introduce, what if you have Zero Hopper... Until like episode seven and then all of a sudden you've totally forgotten about Hopper and all of a sudden you bring in the Russia plot like right at the end and you make all of that happen all of that all that stuff that happens in Russia you make all that happen in 20 minutes or something like that I think that I would have been kind of thrilled to get Hopper back. It's like when are they going to bring Hopper back? When are they going to... and then they bring him in, and then you reduce that whole storyline from like three hours to twenty minutes. Yeah, like
0: I'll even go a step further. You're you're in. Your momentum is going. Your momentum is going. Boom, 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 boom. And then one entire episode is Hopper in Russia, and you're like, well, this is taking me out of everything else, uh-huh. and now I'm into this." And then at the end, you see how it's going to tie or something, and then yeah. it's like, "Whoa, now we're cooking, right?" Maybe I mean I, I still think that this ep- this season is fantastic. I think sure. I think I mean I love Paul Reiser in it. I think Eddie's fantastic. Yeah, you and almost introduce- forget about
1: how good Reiser is. There's so many other. This is this really has turned into something of an ensemble uh, cast, right? Right. And I think and again I think that the the Satanic Panic um,
0: subplot is is just so good. It is it's such a you know. It's such a fascinating thing that is based in, in a real a real occurrence that you know we live through, and it's so it, so as bizarre as it may seem, and it's perfect it, for
1: this show to explore. You know, oh yeah, this is the yeah, perfect I, show for that particular topic.
0: Um, the The sequence, like the the entire that entire episode where Max is wrestling with the idea that she's going to her death is an inevitability, and how they build that whole sequence where she ends up getting rescued is i've you know i've seen it twice and it i don't think i was any less moved even when i knew what was going to happen so Hmm. i think there's i mean there are there are elements that are in this season that are clearly the best work that they've done Now whether or not it's all together Mm -hmm. the same thing that i think is is negotiable yeah but uh but i definitely i'm not ready i mean i Prisoner of the moment, potentially, but I, I, I think that they pulled off so many, so many tricks that, um are that different than what they did in the first season. The first season was was just altogether great. Yeah, um, but the tricks that they pulled off in this one, and sort of the the payoff of everything, it's kind of hard to. You can't look at them in a vacuum. You know what I mean?
1: Okay. So when we come back next week, we will thoroughly cover the last hour and. 20 minutes of this episode Mm -hmm. and we'll also do a little bit of discussion about where this leads us for season five.